Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. Patricia Trainer here with you, and we have a throwback Thursday on tap for you today. But first, uh, we're going to have some news that we have to talk about, some news that came down on Wednesday night. So uh, we're going to get that out of the way, and then we will kick off Throwback Thursday. And I have a pretty interesting, at least I think it's an interesting Throwback Thursday topic for you, which I'll tell you about in a moment. But first, let's talk about the news that came down to on uh, Wednesday night. The Giants are releasing Golden Tate and David Mayo. Now, the moves are not a surprise. Anybody who has... Read me on Giants Country, followed me on Twitter, listened to this podcast. You know, I have talked about this, that, you know, Tate and Mayo were, were obvious uh, choices to be released to clear some salary cap space. And their release clears, I believe, eight point, uh, I think it's like 8.4 million. I'm just looking real quick for the actual number. I think it's 8.4 million total. The release, yeah, 8.447. So um, the Giants, who were under a million in salary cap space based on a $185.5 million salary cap, now have about $8 million. They still have a long way to go. I'm still expecting more moves to be made, as, as is everybody else. But uh, Tate and Mayo are gone. No surprise, you know, Tate, you know, the interesting thing about Golden Tate, and I, and I raised this point on Twitter, uh, the Giants signed him and he was primarily a, a slot receiver. And that meant moving Sterling Shepard, who was a slot receiver for the Giants for the longest time, actually played well enough and earned his new contract based on his play in the slot. And they ended up moving him to the outside. Now, Shep did okay as a, as an outside receiver, but I, I just, you know, in, in retrospect, looking back, I don't understand why they, they, you know, made that move. So, you know, it just didn't make sense. It's like they brought in another slot receiver to kick Shepard to the outside to replace Odell Beckham Jr. Um, I don't know, man. I, I, I just don't get it. But uh, the move is done. I would not be surprised if Sterling Shepard sees more time in the slot next year because, look, the Giants need a legitimate number one receiver, and that number one receiver is probably going to be an X which means he's going to play on the outside. So we'll see what the Giants come up with. As for David Mayo, you know, this is a guy who, um, he was more of a special teams player, you know, a run stopper, a good guy, you know, to have around, but really, you know, not an impactful type of player. So, you know, not a, not a big deal there, but, you know, the Giants, they, they, they've got to clear out some space, and I still think there's more moves coming. There has to be more moves coming. So it's going to be interesting to follow along. And, of course, we will have 
breakdowns of all those moves as they are made. Here on the Locked on Giants podcast, we will also have breakdowns on Giants country where you can read about the numbers and some stats and whatnot, like, um, you know, the, the little nitty gritty on, on what might have went into the decisions, especially if there's anything being, um, you know, anything being really a, a surprise to come down the line and according to a tweet i saw actually i think it was from diana russini they're expecting they being the league a real you know and i hate to use this word but th- there's going to be a lot of guys that are going to be let go you know not just this week but even into next week especially as we get close to the uh the the sell the uh franchise tag window and if the Giants are planning to franchise Leonard Williams, which I believe will probably be the case, they're going to have to clear a lot more money. So so more moves are definitely on the horizon. We will have them all for you here on the Locked on Giants podcast over at Giants Country. Make sure you're checking out both sources because we kind of work hand in hand together. So, all right, Giant fans, before we take our break, let me give you the topic of today's Throwback Thursday. We're going to talk about shocking draft decisions that the Giants have made over the years. And I have about, let me see, one, two, Two, three, four. I have four of them I'm going to talk about. So I'll talk about two in the next segment, two to wrap up the show. Stay with us. We'll be right back to kick it off. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your sportsbook expert. Hey, Giant fans, this is Patricia Trena, host of the Locked on Giants podcast. If you're looking for a way to keep Giants football in the forefront, during this offseason, pick up a copy of my new book, The Big 50 New York Giants, The Men and Moments That Made the New York Giants. This 350-plus page book takes a deep dive into the rich history of the Giants franchise, covering every era with stories, photos, and more that take you behind the headlines. The Big 50 New York Giants is available on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, TriumphBooks.com, and wherever books are sold. Pick up your copy today, and thank you to everyone for your support. Welcome back, Giant fans, to a throwback Thursday edition of Locked on Giants. Now that we've gotten the news out of the way, we can turn our attention to the topic of today's show. And here on the Locked on Giants podcast, we are covering everything you need to know about the New York Giants. But what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked on Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked on Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Locked on Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All right. So we are on a throwback Thursday, as I mentioned. And today's topic is going to be shocking draft decisions. Now, these are decisions the Giants have made throughout the years that have surprised me. 
All right. So I'm just talking from my own personal experience, all the number of drafts that I've covered. And I've been covering giant drafts since, oh gosh, it's got to be over 25 years now I've been covering drafts uh, by the Giants. And there's been some head scratchers, to say the least. So I'm going to give you two this segment and then two in the next segment. And if you want to chime in, tell me who you feel was the most surprising draft pick that the Giants made, you know, a pick that you just did not see coming. You know, you know what to do. Send me an email, LockedOnGiantsPodcast at gmail.com. If you want to tweet it at me, I'm at Patricia underscore Traina. Make sure you tag everything Ask P Train. That way it pops up, especially, you know, I get a lot of mentions during the day on Twitter and I don't want to miss anything from listeners or readers that might have to do with the show or the site. So uh, make sure you do that. Use that tag. All right. Let's get into my shocking draft choices. Now, this is presented to you in no particular order. Number one, Cedric Jones, defensive end. Okay, Cedric Jones was the Giants' first-round draft pick in 1996. I believe he was, yes, he was the fifth overall pick that year, 1996, um, out of Oklahoma. He played until the 2000 season, and I really remember that pick very well because going into that year's draft, just about Every mock draft had Jonathan Ogden going to the Giants. Jonathan Ogden, of course, would go to the uh, Baltimore uh, Ravens, uh, the pick prior to Cedric Jones. And, um, you know, Jonathan Ogden, as we all know, went on to become a Hall of Famer, just had an amazing career for the Baltimore Ravens, for whom he played his entire uh, career with. So anyway, um, everybody went into the draft, and I remember the draft being held in the old Giants Stadium, the old Giants Stadium media workroom, and everybody had written up a story, like, you know, what, what we do sometimes because we're on deadlines is we anticipate what's going to happen, and we write about it, and then, you know, we just drop in the quotes so this way we can quick file a story and beat a deadline. So, you know, typically on, on draft day, especially with the first round, a reporter will have sometimes two or three stories ready to go. Well, we all had, if I, if I remember correctly, we all had two or three stories to go, but everybody had Jonathan Ogden because that was the player everybody thought George Young, who was the general manager at the time, was going to draft. Well, guess what? Along come the Ravens. They go when they draft Jonathan Ogden. And we're all sitting there in the press room. Our mouths absolutely hit the floor. Our jaws hit the floor. And we hear a huge thud. Now, I don't know what the thud was, but the joke was that George Young passed out in shock because the Ravens swooped in and grabbed Ogden, a guy who Young was believed to really, really, really want. So after that pick is made, the Giants, of course, go on the clock and we're all sitting there saying, "Okay, you know, maybe it's going to be this guy. Maybe it's going to be that guy. The one guy I don't think anybody had something pre-written on was Cedric Jones. So sure enough, Cedric Jones becomes the draft pick. 
and everybody's scrambling to get, you know, that story written, you know, to, to put something together because I can't remember if the Giants needed a defensive end or at that point, but, you know, Cedric Jones, um, nobody really saw that pick coming, I don't think, or very few people, I should say. I'm sure somebody saw it coming. And, you know, Cedric Jones, you talk about a bust, all right? He, he appeared in, um, I believe, 73 games for the Giants with 35 starts. He had 15 sacks over the 1996 to 2000 seasons. Okay. It doesn't become a bigger bust than that, folks. And, um, I, I seem to remember Cedric Jones, I believe also had some kind of issue with his eye. I believe he was legally blind in one of his eyes. Um, you know, so that further, you know, made that pick a head scratcher because, the Giants, you know, uh, if I remember correctly, and I'm, I'm going off of, of memory here, but Jones apparently had um, a, uh, a cornea transplant before he was drafted. And the Giants, it sounded like, if, as I recall, that they weren't, you know, it, it didn't sound like they knew what was going on with him. And, you know... It, it was just a weird, weird pick. Um, you know, the Giants at the time, the, the brass that was in charge there, uh, Tom Boyster was the director of player personnel. Um, he had said, according to the Oklahoman, that he wasn't aware that Jones had been poked in the IM margin and underwent surgery. Uh, George Young, on the other hand, knew about it uh, as far as, you know, the the whole eye injury thing. But just really... A surprising, surprising pick that, you know, just kind of, you know, I think you wonder if it was a reactionary pick because the Giants were all set to, to grab Ogden and when he was no longer on the board, you know, that was the end of that. But Jones really did not have um, a a, uh, a solid career for the Giants. And, you know, even though he, he played college ball with, with his eye issue, um, which apparently was not an issue for him when he played college ball, uh, just goes to show you, you know, how important the medical checks are and just having everything totally together on that. And the Giants ended up kind of wasting that pick, you know, it was, it was, um, George Young at the end of his tenure had some, some questionable picks and that was certainly one of them. And it was a sh it was a shocker, no no question about it. So that's uh, one of my surprise picks. Now I'm going to give you another pick that I think we can all agree on. This was not a first round pick. This was actually a fifth round pick in the 2001 draft. Kicker John Markham out of Vanderbilt. Now that pick, um, if you remember, that pick I believe was made by Ernie Acors. And the story, for those who don't remember, is that that pick was made sight unseen, which in today's NFL is just totally unheard of. You don't hear of a, a GM or any football team really making any kind of pick unless somebody has scouted the sky and, and the GM has a complete, you know, cachet of information about him. And the story, the way it went was, is that of course, he didn't have any information on Markham, who 
by the way, never made the Giants roster. He was he was the first of two fifth round draft picks, the other being wide receiver Jonathan Carter. And he, Markham just, you know, he came and if you blinked, you missed him. It was just a waste of a of a draft pick. Even though, again, it was it was a fifth rounder, and you know, usually when you get into day threes and whatnot, you you don't think it's a big deal, but still, that was a surprising pick. The Giants did need a kicker that year, and I, I forget who they went with, um, who their kicker was that year, but I, I think they ended up going through free agency to find their guy. So just just a really weird sequence there, in that you know the Giants would go and pick a guy that the GM supposedly had never seen tape on. So, all right, Giant fans, you are listening to Locked on Giants. It's a throwback Thursday, and we are doing surprising and shocking draft picks. We will have two more coming up for you in the next segment, including one fairly recent pick that we'll talk about. So stay with us. With the ever-increasing number of auto makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait for the counterperson to order the parts on a computer, usually choosing the brands that the store happens to prefer? Instead, take your search for your auto parts to rockauto.com. rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for all your auto parts and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpeting. Whether it's for your classic or daily drive, get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices that you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you. rockauto.com, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. Welcome back, Giant fans, to segment three of Locked On Giants. Patricia Trainer here with you on this Throwback Thursday. And Thursdays on the Locked On NFL are a must-listen as Ryan Tracy and Jake Liskow break down teams across the NFL from an analytics and team-building perspective. Get the expert analysis on your favorite teams from Ryan and Jake every Thursday. Subscribe to Locked On NFL wherever you get your podcasts. All right, I've got two more shocking draft picks for you. And this next one is actually the last time that I can remember the Giants actually trading down in the first round. Yes, folks, they did trade down once, at least once that I know of in the first round in the modern era being from 1970 onward. All right, so let me set the stage for you. The year was 2006, and the Giants traded down with the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, actually, 
they they made a um, a swap, and the Giants in 2006 originally were set to draft 25th overall in that in the first round. Uh, they traded with the Steelers, and what they traded was uh, they swapped first round picks. The Steelers that year were drafting 32. They had won the Super Bowl year, the year prior. So the, the Giants traded their first round pick. And let me see. They got from the Steelers a 2006 third round pick who became Jarris Wilkinson, a linebacker. A 2006 fourth round pick who became offensive tackle Guy Wimper. And the Steelers, using the Giants' first-round pick, took receiver Santonio Holmes. Who did the Giants pick with the 32nd overall pick that year? Glad you asked. They picked defensive end Matthias Kiwanuka out of Boston College. Now, the Kiwanuka pick by itself wasn't a horrible pick. It was actually pretty good value. But what was so surprising at the time is that the Giants were pretty loaded with pass rushers. They had um, Justin Tuck. They had Michael Strahan. I believe they had OCU Manure at the time. They had a bunch of pass rushers. And, you know, when Ernie Acorsi came down to talk about that pick, that's when he famously said, you know, you can never have too many pass rushers. And, of course, Matthias Kiwanuka went on to have a really good career for the Giants. Although what was interesting about his career is that for a period of time, the Giants actually moved him from defensive end to outside linebacker, thinking his skill set was a better fit. And then I believe they moved him back to defensive end. But still, it was a surprising pick because at the time, you know, the mistake that that we in the media and sometimes the fans make is we go based off, okay, what position does does this team need? And what does it make the most sense to draft at that point? So we don't look at, you know best value or anything like that, like a GM would. So I don't think a lot of people were necessarily thinking that, you know, the Giants would draft a defensive end in that spot. And uh, just to give you an idea of some of the picks who who went um, after the, this trade, um, I mentioned the Steelers got Santonio Holmes. Some names worth mentioning here. Uh, the Panthers at 27 got D'Angelo Williams. The Jaguars at 28 got tight end Mercedes Lewis. And the Jets at 29 got center Nick Mangle, who became an anchor on their offensive line. Jeez, can you imagine if the Giants had been able to get Nick Mangle? Um, but of course, at the time, you know, 2006, the Giants had uh, Sean O'Hara, but uh, so they didn't really need a center. But still, these are some of the names that went in between um, where the Giants would have traded and where they ended up trading. Um, so, so yeah, that was that was definitely a surprising one. And then I'm just kind of looking real quick at the top of the second round here. I don't see any names that really jump out. I mean, the Giants didn't have the 12th overall pick. Um, they actually did a trade in the second round of that draft with the Ravens. They traded um, a 2006 second round pick, um, their 2006 third round pick to the Ravens to move up to number 12 overall in the draft. And they picked Sonoris Moss with that particular pick um, that they acquired from the Ravens. So, so yeah, that was, uh, that's another one.
that was just a, a head scratcher, just, you know, a surprise, I should say, the Matthias Kiwanuka pick. And like I said, that one actually worked out pretty well for the Giants for the most part. Kiwi was, was a solid player. All right, I've got one more for you, and this one is kind of recent. And it makes sense. I'm, I don't hate the pick, but I, I'm still kind of surprised. This is the Daniel Jones pick in 2019. Now, we can all agree that the Giants needed a quarterback. We all knew that, you know, Eli Manning was coming to the end of his tenure and the Giants had to get his replacement on board. We also kind of figured that the Giants weren't planning on being a consistent presence in the top 10, let alone, you know, like the top six, five or six draft picks every year, because that would obviously mean they weren't doing well. So here's the thing. On the board at the time was edge rusher Josh Allen out of Kentucky, who I believe went to Jacksonville, and Daniel Jones. So... Dave Gettleman, who also needed a pass rusher and who still, to this day, needs a pass rusher. Boy, was he tempted to get Josh Allen. He was really tempted. He said so as much um, at the end of, uh, I think, one of our our pressers at some point. I, I forget which presser it was. It might, it might have been when he, when he did his pre-draft, uh, I'm sorry, his post-draft comments. He said, you know, it came down to the pass rusher, which tempted him and, and Daniel Jones. And in the end, they went with the quarterback, Daniel Jones, because, you know, that that's a position that, you know, if you're going to draft your franchise quarterback, ideally, the closer you are to the number one overall pick, the better off you're going to be in terms of finding your guy for the long term. So uh, the Giants went with that pick. Now, the reason why that was so surprising to me, it's this is kind of an interesting story. At the combine that year, I had heard that the Giants were interested in Jones. And if and I don't know, you know, if you all remember, but I remember writing about it and saying that Jones could be um a possibility for the Giants at number 17. Because remember, they had the Browns' first-round pick from the Odell Beckham Jr. trade. So they had two uh, first-round picks that particular year. And then, of course, they traded back into the to the first round with, um, you know, acquiring Seattle's pick, which they turned into DeAndre Bake. So anyway, the buzz at the Combine was that Daniel Jones was from Duke was kind of sliding up the board into the first round. There were some people that initially at the start of the process thought he might be a second round pick, um, but his stock began to rise. And I had heard a couple people had told me that, you know, the scenario that the Giants were thought to be thinking of was they wanted to get the pass rusher, Josh Allen, if he was there at number five, uh, I'm sorry, number six, and Daniel Jones, if he was there at number 17. Now, somewhere along the line, I believe word came out after the combine that the Washington football team was actually eyeballing Daniel Jones. And I think, a matter of fact, there might have been multiple teams that were rumored to be interested in taking Jones. So the Giants pretty much, you know, they made the decision to take Jones instead of the pass rusher. As far as I could tell, you know, based on everything that they said, they don't regret it. Um, now, do they have their franchise guy? 
it looks that way. The jury is certainly still out on him. They have to surround him with a little better talent to see if he is indeed the guy. But, you know, that was just an interesting and surprising pick because I was really sure that they would go with a pass rusher because they just did not have a good pass rush. And for them to turn around and, and, and take the quarterback, I mean, the move makes sense. Don't get me wrong, but... It was still kind of surprising to me, nonetheless, given, you know, all the the scuttlebutt and buzz that had been going on at the Combine. And P.S., can I just say I miss the Combine this year? I really do, because it's such a treasure trove of information. You pick up so much that helps you shape your coverage for free agency and stuff. And boy, do I miss that, that intel that we used to get. But uh, maybe next year, who knows? So anyway... Those are my surprising picks on this Throwback Thursday, my surprising Giants draft picks. If you have a, a, a pick that shocked the heck out of you when the Giants made it, tell me about it. I'd love to hear what you guys think. You know what to do. Send me an email to LockedOnGiantsPodcast at gmail.com. Tweet it at me if you want, at Patricia underscore Traina with the hashtag Ask P Train, and uh, I hope you enjoyed this uh, this walk down memory lane. I hope it wasn't too frustrating for you, but um, it was. You know, it was a topic that came to me the other day when I was putting together some draft stuff, and I figured, why not? I thought it might make a, a great topic. All right, Giant fans, before we say goodbye, tomorrow we have another installment of Fan Appreciation Friday. This is this is one you're not going to want to miss. This this. The fa- I won't tell you who the fan is. You'll find out who it is tomorrow. But this particular fan that I had on has an epic, epic story of how he was so determined to get to a giant game, all the things he did to get to to get there. And it was just really compelling. And I can't wait for you to hear this story. So until t- next time, giant fans, have a great one. And thanks so much for tuning in.